0: A little bit earlier in Judges 2, verse 10, we read that after the death of Joshua, an entire generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for them. And now by Judges 6, the Israelites have been worshiping Canaanite gods, which God had told them not to do. And so for seven years, God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. See, the Israelites were in the midst of what my pastor calls the stupid cycle, They're in the stupid cycle. People do evil in the sight of the Lord. God gives them into the hands of their oppressors as punishment. The people cry out to God for rescue, and then God sends them a deliverer. Sin, punishment, deliverance. Sin, punishment, deliverance. The Midianites would ride in from the east when the harvest was ready, and they would ransack the place. They stole everything. What they didn't steal, they ruined You could not count them. How panicked do you need to be to leave your home and go hide in a cave? And after seven years of this, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he heard them. That is astonishing to me. Because they hadn't listened to God worth a lick, and yet when they cried out to God, he listened to them. And first he sends them a prophet to to refresh their memory. This is what the Lord says. I brought you out of Egypt. I snatched you from the hands of your oppressors. I gave you their land. I am the Lord your God. I said, do not worship the gods of the Amorites, but you have not listened to me. But more than just this reminder, God provides a deliverer for his people. It just wasn't who anybody expected it to be or maybe hoped it would be, Gideon. And he's hiding in a wine press because he's threshing wheat in secret because he doesn't want it to be stolen. And you're supposed to thresh wheat up on a hill in the wind where the chaff can blow away, but no, he's, Gideon is low down in a winepress. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Isn't that great? I think that is rich because the mighty warriors are out there and Gideon is in a wine press hiding from them. And he, and he says, well, well, uh, pardon me, my Lord, but um, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? If, if the Lord is with us, then why have we been abandoned? If I was the angel of the Lord, I'd like to address some of that whining, but the angel of the Lord does not do that. He just, he lays out the plan. Go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? I mean, wow. Go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? Now, maybe there's one or two of you here, you know, like super spiritual types. And you would have, you would have stood up and been like, well, well, all right, right on. Let's get out of this wine press and uh, get to work. Because, I mean, if God is with me, then what can be against me? Right? And gotten to work. But see, Gideon is like the rest of us. He, he has questions and concerns. Part, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I do that? My clan is the weakest, and I am the weakest in my family. And I wonder, can some of you hear yourself right there? How, how can I do that. Gideon looks at the plan and he looks at himself and he thinks you, you've got the wrong person because see he's the runt of the litter in the least of the litters. Maybe, for all we know maybe his life has been just a long series of mistakes one after the other. Maybe people have written him off by now. Maybe he once overheard his father tell the assembly "Oh, my Gideon not sure he's ever going to amount to much. Maybe Gideon was always the butt of the joke, and here this angel has got to be joking too, because the weakest guy from the weakest clan to save Israel, that's no good. That's no good. But God says, good. Good. Someone who knows they can't do it. Now that is someone I could work with. That is someone I can work with, and the marching orders are astonishing. Go in the strength that you have, which we know is none. Go in the strength that you have, and look, here he supplies the strength. I will be with you. It's the same thing he told Moses, same thing he told Joshua, it's the same thing the angel tells Mary, and it's the same thing Jesus tells all of us at the end of Matthew Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, we live in a pretty different world than Gideon and the Midianites. But God is still in the business of enlisting weaklings into his service. He's still doing that today. And so I want to ask you, in what ways has God been enlisting you? How has he been nudging you? How has he been working in you? What has he been calling you? Is it far-fetched? Is it as far-fetched as the angel calling Gideon a mighty warrior? The Lord is with you, racial reconciler. The Lord is with you, small business owner. The Lord is with you, worship leader. The Lord is with you, writer of truth. The Lord is with you, teacher of middle schoolers. The Lord better be with you, by the way, if that's your plan. The Lord is with you, defender of the bullied. The Lord is with you, adopter of the orphan. The Lord is with you, preacher, environmentalist. Mentor, politician, I don't know what he's been calling you. But see, we're a lot like Gideon. We have questions and concerns. How can I do that? How can I do that? Maybe you have a less than stellar family history. Maybe you're the runt of the litter and the least of the litters, so to speak. Maybe you feel like your life has been nothing but a series of mistakes, one after the other. People have written you off. Maybe someone's told you, I'm not sure you're ever going to amount to much. But whatever it is, God lays out the plan, and and like Gideon, you go, "Uh, me? You can't be serious. I'm pretty sure you have the wrong person. But look, God called Gideon a mighty warrior while he was hiding in a wine press because he was so afraid. That tells us something. That tells us that God can see what we can't see. And he says, Go in the strength that you have, which for most of us is really pretty limited. Go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? And that's the astonishing part of this story to me, that God doesn't pick the best and the brightest. He doesn't pick the strongest or the one that's the the most well-trained for the job. He picks a weakling who does not think he can do it. Because God loves weaklings. Because they have to rely on God. They can't do it on their own. And that's what God is after, to crush our self-reliance and build our God-reliance. That's what he wants to do. And I know usually when we say Gideon, right away we think about the fleece. I purposely stopped the text before the fleece because the fleece gets too much attention. But as the story continues, Gideon wants God to confirm all of this with a sign, and he puts the fleece out and says, uh, uh, make it wet. And, and God does that, and then Gideon's like, oh, I'm really sorry, but um, I'm going to put it out again, and, and this time could you keep it dry and make everything around it wet? And God does that. But I don't think that that part of the story is there to encourage us to put fleeces out to God. I think it's there to show us what a loving father we have. What a good God we have, who does not want us to move forward in a spirit of fear. And so he does everything Gideon asks him to do. And as you know, as the story keeps going, Gideon gets it together. Well, I guess all he does is blow a trumpet, but... Um, He gets it together and he gets this army together of 30,000 men and God whittles it down to 300 men. So God makes them weaker than they were so that when they win, like God promised, when they mop the floor with their enemies, like God promised, God would get all of the glory and all of the credit and all of the esteem. But, you know, Gideon, that's a long time ago. So let me try to give you a bit more of a recent example of God calling someone in weakness and sending them in the strength that they have. And I know a lot of you are probably familiar with her story, but I was thinking about Johnny Erickson Tada. And when she was 17, she dove into shallow water and and she broke her neck, and doctors told her she was going to be paralyzed for the rest of her life. And she writes that just a few weeks before that diving accident, she had prayed to God and said, God, I want you to use my life to bring you glory. Whatever that looks like. Use me to bring you glory. But now, in her recovery room, after this accident, she was pretty angry. because She said, I, I asked you to use me, God, and now look at me. I'm, I'm useless. I, I can't even get out of my own bed. But she writes, looking back, it was that exact weakness that forced me to rely on a strong God. I became increasingly dependent on God, and I realized, oh, he planned to use me, but like this. And as some of you know, she's traveled the world serving God. She speaks and writes and sings and paints and delivers wheelchairs and Bibles. And she said only God could have made this happen because she said there were so many difficult days, but I had to keep remembering the same God who said go was still the same God who said, I am with you. So you can imagine the Lord saying to Johnny in her hospital bed, where she could do nothing more than turn her own head, the Lord is with you, worldwide evangelist. Go in the strength that you have. I mean, t- talk about having questions and concerns in that moment. But see, again, God can see what we can't see. So I know her story's kind of a dramatic illustration, and even Gideon really is kind of a dramatic illustration, but here's the thing. The same God who enlisted Gideon and enlisted Johnny Erickson Tada is still at work. Our exceptional God is still after unexceptional people, which is most of of us. We all qualify. And so to, to bring it Home here a little bit. I know some of you recently went to the CCDA conference. That's what Pastor Baker told me. And a conference like that, boy, that just shows you what's possible. It shows you how God is already working and moving and what what He's doing, but it's pretty easy to get back to your own context and go, wait a minute. How can I do that? And I know I met a number of you at the core anti racism training last October at Church of the Servant and you had a whole group there from your church and, and we were challenged to fight racism in our own context and to, and to fight for racial reconciliation but then it's easy to get back to your own church or workplace or institution and go, wait a minute, how, how am I supposed to do that? How can I do that? It makes me think about When God tells Moses what he's going to do, and Moses is like, I'm I'm not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. You have the wrong person. And God says, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? That's why these marching orders are so astonishing. Because God says, go in the strength that you have. I will be with you. And I don't know what he's been nudging you toward or what he's been calling you or how he's been working in your life specifically, but I know this. He made your mouth. And he made your hands, and he made your feet. He put your passions in you. He gave you a set of experiences that are unique to you. And he wants to use those. He wants to leverage that for his glory in his kingdom. And I know that while he's doing that, he's going to crush your self-reliance. That's what God does. Sometimes it takes us a long time to learn that that is what God is doing to us. But he's going to crush your self-reliance, and he's going to build your God-reliance because that's what he did with Gideon. And, and in the end, if, if you read that story through to the end, Gideon could only deliver his people for a little while. Just for a little while. And that, that stupid cycle came right back around again. Sin, punishment, deliverance. Sin, punishment, deliverance. And God knew. God knew we needed a better deliverer than Gideon, not just someone who could save us from one turn of that cycle, but someone who could break the cycle itself. And none of us could do that, only God could break the cycle. And so he came here to us to do that work as a baby in total weakness. Let that never stop astonishing us. And if Gideon wasn't what people expected, Jesus wasn't what anybody expected either because it's like, uh, this is our Messiah? Okay, uh, not a blue-blooded king, not a mighty warrior, not a political hero. He's the son of a carpenter. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see because Jesus inserts himself into that sin-punishment-deliverance cycle and like driving a stake into a turning wheel, He brings it to a grinding halt on the cross, which is a symbol of total weakness. Total weakness. And so it's Jesus who takes us from wondering, how can I do that to saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the fleece gets too much attention in Gideon's story. That's kind of my issue. The fleece gets too much attention. I think if this story is about anything, it's a perfect illustration of 2 Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And the weakling Gideon, he gets listed in Hebrews as a hero of the faith, but don't forget, he started out as a nervous Nelly. He had questions and concerns And he became a mighty warrior only because he had a mighty God standing right behind him, giving him all of that strength. And that same mighty God is standing behind you. So knowing that, I encourage you, go in the strength that you have. He will be with you. Let's pray.